You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, you can always find this podcast by asking your smart device like Siri, Alexa, Google Home, whatever it is, play podcast Locked on Vikings. And today is Crossover Wednesday, so I have a wonderful interview, super awesome, informative stuff with Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. You can find him on Twitter at FalcFans, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but first I do want to hit on a quick news item. Of course, yesterday we talked about the addition of Josh Doxson and what it meant, but yesterday we didn't actually know what the corresponding move was, what the cut was. Uh, We found out today the, the move was officially announced. It all is, you know, inked now, and the uh, corresponding move was to release Brett Jones, which was a little bit surprising to me. I thought Brett Jones had an excellent preseason and provided pretty valuable depth on that offensive line, and it surprised a lot of people. People actually got kind of upset about it because, of course, offensive line is a sore spot for everybody, so I wanted to just quickly address what I think the logic is. Even though I don't necessarily agree that Brett Jones is the right choice, I definitely see, like, why, because if you need to release somebody, for one, you shouldn't release anybody with, like, a bright future that you then don't want to expose to waivers, right? Like Drew Samia or Oli Udo. I don't think either of those guys preferably are going to play at all this season, but you also don't want to try to put them on the practice squad and leave them open for somebody else to poach because they have, they both have very bright futures. They showed that they can definitely be, like, starting caliber players at some point in the future or at least important depth, and so you definitely don't want to lose that. And you also don't want to get rid of a player that you were planning on using game in and game out. Now, that's not going to be a backup offensive lineman, so it makes sense to try to poach someone from the line. It doesn't necessarily make as much sense as you would intuitively think to get rid of, say, one of the defensive tackles, because I would bet you that all of those defensive tackles are going to play rotationally at some point this season regardless of injury. So you need somebody that's not going to play and somebody that doesn't have a bright future. And it also tells us that they weren't really planning on using Brett Jones as the insurance policy in the first place. If, say, Garrett Bradbury went down, that tells us that the plan was going to be Pat Elfline moves to center and Dakota Dozier plays at left guard. And that's probably going to be the plan if that does happen. And it probably was going to be anyway. So Brett Jones being the third option at center is just not as likely to see the field as maybe we initially thought. So obviously there are some people who thought that Brett Jones should just start over Pat Elfline. Um, I think that's just a misevaluation of both players. I think Pat Elfline is just better than Jones. And, and if you think otherwise, you should probably ask yourself questions about strength of competition in the preseason. But I don't want to spend a whole show talking about the offensive line and Pat Elfline and Brett Jones and stuff. So without further ado, here is my interview with Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons. How's it going, Aaron? It's going great, man. I'm glad that football's back. Uh, we, we, you know, this is first crossover of many that we're going to have this year and I'm looking eager and eagerly waiting to see sort of what both of these teams, uh, do this upcoming season. Cause there's a lot of expectations on both the Falcons and Vikings heading into 2019. Yeah, it kind of feels like both teams are like in a little bit of the same boat because the the expectations were sky high going into 2018 in both spots and both teams kind of fell short. And now it's like, is this a bounce back or are we now stuck in limbo? So this will be kind of a tone setter in a big way. Absolutely, absolutely. Obviously, you know, ties are possible, but we expect one of these teams to come out of this game uh, victorious, and it will be interesting to sort of see how some of these matchups 
stack up. And before we get into those matchups, I want to let everybody know, uh, both Locked On Falcons and Locked On Vikings fans know that the opening week of this 2019 NFL season is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essential brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Use the promo code Locked On, and it'll get you 20% off at MacWeldon.com. So, uh, Luke, let's jump into this matchup. You, who do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about, you know, for me, I have a lot of questions about the Vikings offense. Um, that seems to be the bigger unknown, given the sort of consistency that the Vikings defense has shown over the years. So if you don't mind, you, do you want to start this thing off talking about the Vikings offense versus the Falcons defense? Yeah, I would love that because I similarly, I mean, the, the Falcons offense is kind of a known commodity, but there's a lot about the Falcons defense that I either am unfamiliar with or is just kind of slept on in general. So, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because one of the topics I've talked about quite a bit on Lockdown Falcons is sort of the changes on the offensive line this offseason. And the Falcons going to have three new starters uh, starting week one. And it's been a question kind of who's going to start week one against this Vikings team. But the uh, Vikings also have three new starters on their offensive line with some of the changes they've made on the interior. And I'm curious sort of how much confidence you have with this Vikings uh, group to sort of uh, hold their own against a improving Falcons defensive line uh, this week. Yeah, it'll be an interesting litmus test for both units, I think, because neither unit is like a juggernaut or anything. I mean, the Vikings offensive line is far from it and is probably still the biggest worry on the whole team. I think it's the biggest worry everybody has. Uh, I think Riley Reef is fine. Garrett Bradbury, obviously, rookie in his first start. He's looked pretty good in the preseason, but who knows what you're going to see, you know, when the when the lights turn on. Uh, Brian O'Neill, the right tackle had an awesome season last year or a pretty good season, at least last year. Uh, but he's been nursing an elbow injury for pretty much all of preseason and camp and all that. So I, it's unclear if he's even going to play. And if he doesn't play, it's Rashad Hill. Uh, and I know that I think when the schedule came out, Tack McKinley tweeted like, ah, three sacks week one. And it was like kind of a trash talk, but none of the Vikings fans like we're mad about it because he kind of had a point <laughs> uh but uh josh klein has looked really good at right guard and pat elfline at left guard is like the biggest question mark if you're uh, you know on defense game planning for beating the vikings on offense i would basically try to set it up so that you're getting your three technique one-on-one -on -one with the left guard every single play because pat elfline just won't be able to stand up to it often enough and you'll ruin a bunch of plays that way well, you know, the most reliable pass rusher the Falcons have is, of course, their three technique in Grady Jarrett. One of the big topics of conversation is sort of with Dan Quinn, the head coach, taking over defensive play calling this season um, after firing several of his coordinators last year. Um, you know, is sort of what schematic changes we're going to see. And the Falcons have been tinkering with a little bit more of a 3-4 front that's getting guys like Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, and Grady Jarrett on the field more often. They picked up guys like Tyler Davison, they picked up uh, Adrian Claiborne, they added Alan Bailey at the start of uh, training camp. And so, so far this summer, the Falcons defensive line has looked like, you know, a much improved unit. And I think they have a golden opportunity going up against a, I think we both would agree, questionable Vikings offensive line and have some potentially favorable matchups uh, with Tack McKinley on the outside with Grady Jarrett on the inside. And, and if they can get contributions from Vic Beasley, who's sort of been quiet these last couple of years after a breakout 2016 campaign, uh, whether it's against Brian O'Neill or, or Rashad Hill, that will also be a, a big improvement. So I think this is an opportunity for the Falcons defensive line, at least in the early going of the season, 
to get off to a really good start and show that they have made substantial growth over the last year going up against this Vikings unit. Hey guys, back to the interview in a second, but first, it is time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. First one starts this Thursday night, when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. So draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat of watching a game live and having a stake in it like never before. And hey, maybe you can find a reason to care about this game between two hated division rivals. It's simple, just draft six players from the season opener, Stay under the salary cap and see how your team set, stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using the code Locked On, like I said earlier in the show, will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing makes you sweat out a game like having a stake in it and having a shot at a million-dollar payday. So get in on this season opener action. Download the DraftKings app now and use that code Locked on. And for a limited time, both new and existing users get a deposit bonus up to $500. And don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter the code locked on to get a free shot at that sweet, sweet $1 million prize. That's code locked on only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I, I think for the Falcons defensive line and for like Falcons fans, if you're worrying, wondering like where the line, like if this defensive line doesn't produce against the Vikings, either the Vikings are a lot better than we all think, or the defensive line is a lot worse than we all think. Like everything, it sounds like the Falcons should have the upper hand when it comes to pass rush and when it comes to shutting down the run, which Mike Zimmer really wants to like commit to fixing because the run was such an utter catastrophe in 2018 to the point where like they couldn't convert a third and one, like it was just pathetic. So it, it either things have improved a lot in Minnesota or like this is a, a unit that the Falcons should be able to get the advantage on. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the other big topics with the Vikings offense is sort of the quarterback play with Kirk Cousins. Got a big contract last year, didn't quite live up to expectations. I'm curious if the expectations are now going into year two with the addition of Gary Kubiak, with Kevin Stefanski taking over as the full-time play caller, as as opposed to last year when he took over midseason, when the Vikings got rid of John DiFilippo. Um you sort of is this a year where Kirk Cousins can start to live up to those expectations and be a, a difference maker in the passing game where, you know, the Vikings are featuring arguably the league's best uh, wide receiver duo in, in Stephon Diggs uh, and Adam Thielen uh, and get this off this Vikings offense to another level that they haven't seen in a couple of years. Yeah, so I'm going to probably have to give this spiel like every week. So I'm a bit of a hater with Cousins. I didn't like the deal when it happened. I've talked about it a whole bunch on my show. Um, but in a nutshell, my biggest problem with Kirk Cousins is that he is way too uh, dedicated to his first read. He's too unwilling to move to the second read. Not that he like stares guys down. He can actually look off safeties and stuff like a, a grizzled veteran, uh, but more that his decision making, he's uh, way too confident in his ability to thread the ball into tight windows, which is very good. He's very good at that but he'll throw it to guys who are covered behind the sticks and then they get tackled, which isn't like Kirk Cousins' fault, but it's like he just is a little bit too lenient with what he considers an open receiver, and that can lead to bad plays. Um, and there were some miscommunication issues in 2018, too, that you hope would be, uh, you know, kind of squared away. With Diggs and Thielen, 
I would expect that those guys are going to present the biggest issue for the Falcons. Uh, like those are going to obviously be the guys that every defense that comes into Minnesota is going to go, okay, how do we stop Diggs and Thielen? And then we work from there because essentially if you leave those guys one-on-one on the sideline, a whole bunch of the Kubiak Stefanski plays that we saw in uh, the preseason and a whole bunch of plays that really everybody that's inherited these two wide receivers have done are just designed to create one-on-one matchups with Diggs, Thielen, and whoever your not best cornerback is. So if you ever get those guys stuck on an island, that's where the production can really, really come. And then I also wouldn't sleep on Dalvin Cook. He is really, really elusive. He's one of the most elusive backs in the NFL, more elusive than your Zeke Elliott's or your Todd Gurley's. And uh, he's a threat out of the backfield. He's a threat in space. They've been working a ton on like the screen game to him, although he himself didn't play a bunch in the preseason. You could see play designs that were clearly meant for him, and they were just throwing it to like, D'Angelo Henderson or whoever was on the third team. Uh, so I, I think that in terms of the offensive plan, there's going to be a lot more Dalvin Cook than you're probably thinking. Even though all the headlines are going to be about Diggs and Thielen and Cousins, there's going to be a lot going through the running back. Not to mention the new zone scheme that Gary Kubiak brings. This, you know, the same scheme that created Terrell Davis and Arian Foster and you know even that 2014 uh, running game. I think that was it was the post Ray Rice era. Uh, the one year he was in Baltimore and, and yeah, then even Justin, uh, uh, Forsett, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was him. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But I mean, you know, Kubiak's made a bunch of running backs out of nothing. And now he gets to inherit Dalvin Cook, who is just like spilling over with talent. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, you know, the old coaching cliche, stop the run. It's a passing league, but they're going to want to stop the run because I think you're right. Like, you know, Diggs and Thielen do have a, probably the, the advantage uh, going up against the Falcons corners because the Falcons are breaking into new starters and DeMonte Casey as their nickel, who started as a replacement for the injured Ricardo Allen at free safety last year. He's moving down to the nickel cornerback spot and Isaiah Oliver, their second round pick a year ago, played some, flashed some potential. But if he's going up against a guy like Diggs, you know, Oliver's more of a big guy that's meant was brought in to guard like the power forwards that the Falcons see in their own division, like guys like Mike Evans, a smaller, quicker, more explosive guy like Stefan Diggs is a tough matchup for him. And if, you know, that's a, a matchup in the potential advantage for the Vikings. And if they can couple that with a healthy and strong running game led by Dalvin Cook, it's going to be a long day for the Falcons defense uh, this Sunday. And whether you have questions about Kirk Cousins or the offensive line, if they're able to sort of move the ball effectively on the ground, and, and get Kirk Cousins in those third and shorts and third and manageables, and those wide receivers are going to be able to to create separation against the secondary more than likely in those situations. And the Vikings are going to be successful moving the ball on the ground. So, I think you know, you know, stopping the run for the Falcons is going to be a, a big key to success. Certainly early in this game, uh, hopefully before their offense can sort of hopefully take some pressure off of the defense and and get off to a pretty uh, quick start. And uh, we can certainly, uh, you know, maybe that's a good segue to transition into the other side of the ball. I I have one quick question, and then we can get to the other side of the ball about the Falcons defense. And it's, would you rather have your slot corner, your nickel corner in coverage or your linebacker in coverage covering tight ends? Like, Like your linebackers in coverage or your slot corner in coverage? Who do you trust more, I guess? It, it kind of depends. Like, I think I probably trust the linebackers just because I've seen it more uh, with Deion Jones and, and Devondre Campbell, but it kind of depends on who they're covering. Like, 
I like Jones against running backs. I like Campbell against tight ends. But you, if you sort of switch that, then it becomes a little bit more problematic and just haven't quite seen what KZ is as a nickel cornerback yet. Uh, based off of a handful of preseason games, it's just not enough of a, li- of a sample size to really know how much confidence I should have in him. But I, I expect him to, to play well. But right now, I think you know the linebackers are a little bit more of a proven commodity. The reason I ask is because the the Vikings have committed really hard to using 12 personnel, two tight end personnel. It'll be Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith and then, you know, Diggs and Thielen and Cook in the backfield. That's kind of going to be the like base package. And so I think the way that teams decide to handle that all the way throughout the year is going to be really fascinating. So that's why I asked. But the the reason I brought that up is because that's going to be really important for daily fantasy and all of our listeners should go to draftkings.com right now and use the code locked on eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details hey guys if you found a hundred dollars walking on the street would you pick it up or keep walking of course you'd take the money so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them you guys know who's going to win these games make a little bank off of it that is why i implore you to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, when you're betting, it's just as important who you're betting with as who you're betting on. Now, listen, you guys can trust me. I wouldn't be recommending these guys if they weren't top notch. So do the smart thing. I mean, if you're going to bet on football this season, use my bookie. And if you know anything about football, then hey, you should try to be making something out of that. Now, did you know that you can actually bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to go belly up, you can always just take the other side, try to hedge, make a little bit back. And if you are the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings by a ton. Just pick like three games that you feel really good about, and if you get all three of them, it's like way bigger than if you just bet all three individually. And hey, no matter how you bet the NFL season, is always the best time of year. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit if you use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.com today. You play, you win, you get paid. So let's jump into the conversation about the Falcons' offense versus the Vikings' defense. This is strength on strength. Falcons are known for their offense. The Vikings are known for defense. The last couple of times the Falcons and Vikings have gone toe to toe against each other. It has been the Vikings defense that has come out more favorable in that matchup. But I think there's reasons perhaps to believe that maybe this Vikings defense may not be as strong as it has been in previous matchups with this Falcons team. And at least from my perspective, maybe that is due to maybe some question marks over whether this defensive line is as strong as it has been with guys like Linville Joseph and, and Everson Griffin. Are these guys slowing down? You know, the loss of Sheldon Richardson and, and the replacing him with Shamar Stephen is that a little bit of a step back for this Vikings defensive line? And, you know, we know the linebackers are good. We know the secondary is strong and whatnot. Uh, but then you also have questions over whether, you know, Xavier Rhodes still at the top of his game when he was doing a very effective job, you know, keeping Julio Jones contained in some of these previous matchups. So I think the Falcons have some opportunities that they could potentially exploit in this game. But I'm curious sort of where are your thoughts on this Vikings defense? Is this going to be the same rock solid elite Vikings defense that we've seen over the last couple of years or is there maybe some reason for me to be a little bit optimistic that the Falcons can have a little bit more success on Sunday so I I have a pretty homer view on on the Vikings defense I still think that they have quite a bit of gas left in the tank in terms of the older guys I mean Griffin's like 31 you know Linval Joseph I think is going to be 30 for most of the year so it's not I mean it's not like these guys are 35 and dwindling like they're just now hitting their 30s 
And, you know, Xavier Rhodes is 29. Everybody else is in their 20s. And there's a lot of other like young guns coming in and like rotationally. So I'm not too worried about age. I think that both Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph last year had uh, things slowing them down that should be behind them. Linval Joseph was in there was actually like an expose article of sorts that actually came out today, which I will put in the show notes for my show, at least uh, that. Linval Joseph, through the last 10 weeks of the season, was basically in rehab for various injuries every day. And if I recall, I believe he was on the injury report for all of those. And we just kind of thought he was dinged up. But he was like actually pretty hurt and playing through quite a lot and had to get two surgeries in the offseason for it. And of course, Everson Griffin had that fairly high profile uh, mental health issue that is a, a fairly sensitive thing, but something that is also behind him. And it seems like both of these guys are coming back a lot fresher than they were down the stretch last year. I think we would be remiss, though, if we didn't talk about the uh, the matchup between Xavier Rhodes and Julio. Oh, and uh, Shamar Stefan. Sorry, Shamar Stefan is absolutely a step down from Sheldon Richardson. And whoever your worst guard is, is probably going to get Shamar Stefan one on one a bunch and have a good game. I don't know if that's the rookie Lindstrom or if that's somebody else, um, but that's kind of my thoughts on the defensive line. But what I want to talk about is the Julio Jones Xavier Rhodes thing. Because Rhodes has, I don't know if you saw the uh, game NFL Game Pass film session with Xavier Rhodes, but he actually called out the last time he met with Julio Jones and essentially was able to have a whole bunch of good plays against Jones, even though he was injured in that game, uh, because Jones was giving away his role in the play with body language. He would come up to the to the line of scrimmage differently, whether or not, like depending on if he was just running a clear out or if he was, you know, the primary read on the play, he would be a little antsier, and Xavier Rhodes could actually figure out, like, what was going to happen on the play just based on Julio Jones's body language. So I wonder if there's going to be a little bit more of a chess match going on here. Both guys are incredibly physically talented, and I think it'll come down to kind of who gets the better of whom in the chess match, in the strategy, in the mental aspect. Yeah, that's a great point. I haven't checked out that, that, that uh, film review, so I'll definitely check that out before Sunday. Uh, maybe get some insights there uh, when I go back and watch the film of this game uh, later this week and see if that's something that continues this year as it may have occurred in, in previous matchups. So, you know, I think this is going to be interesting because, again, I said it before, like this matchup has been sort of tilted heavily in the Xavier Rhodes direction uh, these last couple of years. And this was a similar situation between Julio Jones and Josh Norman for a number of years when Norman was with the Panthers. And then all of a sudden, you know, Julio sort of had his way with Josh Norman uh, before Norman wound up, you know, leaving Carolina and going to Washington. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to sort of see if if you see a similar pattern or you continue to see Rhodes have success. And, I, and that's one of the reasons why I think a key matchup for this game is going to be the, the opposite side of the field with Calvin Ridley versus Trey Waynes. Um, if, if Julio can't have a, his way with Xavier Rhodes and not to sit here and say he's going to roast Xavier Rhodes for like 200 or something yards or anything like that, but he just needs to get a couple of plays against them that can really put the Falcons in some scoring position. But if that's not the case, then the Falcons are going to really need Calvin really to sort of pick up the slack on the opposite side of the field. And at least as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Trey Waynes has, has been that caliber of corner for them. I think that's a big reason why the Vikings drafted Mike Hughes, who was my top rated cornerback in, in the previous year's draft class. Uh, but I know, I understand Hughes might be a little bit nicked up for this game. And so I think really it's going to be key if whether Julio gets going or not, that the Falcons can try to at least get something uh, from Calvin Ridley going up against Trey Waynes, because I think that is potentially a very favorable matchup, uh, given Ridley's ability to you know run routes and, and separate and basically be our version of Stefan Diggs here in Atlanta. 
Yeah, is Calvin Ridley a burner or is he more of like an intermediate, like like a uh, possession type receiver? Because it's very different when you put Trey Waynes up. Trey Waynes does his best work against like the deep burner, you know, the Ted Ginn types. Uh, or I, I'm struggling to think of other examples. So I'm wondering, like, what is the typical usage for a Calvin Ridley? Because that'll have a big effect, I think, on on Trey Wade's on, Trey Wayne's odds in this. Well, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how Dirk Cutter uses it. Because last year with Steve Sarkeesian, he kind of used them in the same way that the Falcons used to use Taylor Gabriel, which was kind of all over the place. A lot of intermediate stuff, a couple of uh, shots down the field. But I think Ridley's more of an intermediate guy than necessarily a true burner. He certainly has the speed to be able to get on top of corners, but I don't know if he's going to be, have the speed to sort of get on top of a guy like Waynes and run away from him or anything like that. I think it's really going to be sort of those routes between, you know, 10 and, and 20 yards where he can able to, you know, get separation on those dig routes and those comebacks and things like that, that I think is really where he has an opportunity to sort of feast on Trey Waynes and, and maybe some double moves and whatnot. That was really where really had some of his early success last year before he hit the rookie wall and, and started to deal with drops a lot in the second half of the 2018 season. Yeah, so I, okay, so I have a prediction for this. So the way that Mike Zimmer usually handles offenses like Atlanta's that are high-flying, ones that can really crush you deep, you know, the kind of offense, like as long as Matt Ryan is there and Ridley and Julio, there's always some kind of big play threat. And the way that Zimmer usually handles that is he essentially just plays the corners in secondary like really conservatively and he will play a bunch of off coverage and keep everything in front of you. So I could see a stat line for these guys that's like six catches for 45 yards, you know, where they are getting balls all the time and some of them are even good, but ultimately, you know, they're not giving up the deep play and they'll play a whole bunch of quarters and like they have really, really strong safety help over over the top with Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Uh, and even Mackenzie Alexander, who will probably be playing slot, I would expect Mike Hughes doesn't play for the first couple weeks here. Uh, so I would expect Mike Hughes to be inactive for this one. Um, but Mackenzie Alexander is going through kind of a renaissance. So I, I think that we'll see a very conservative strategy from the corners. And that means Matt Ryan is going to be able to kind of pick them apart underneath. But at a certain point, you know, the essentially they're relying on the fact that the game can't be won entirely with underneath, you know, five yards at a time type plays you know, hope you get him behind the chains at some point and then the drive can fall apart. So, and that's kind of what he's done with Julio Jones the last couple of times is let him catch the ball, but make the tackle. And it's only a gain of four. So I would expect that. And I would expect Trey Waynes to do the same thing. Like I don't see Trey Waynes losing to a double move, but I do see Trey Waynes giving up four catches for 40 yards and still kind of being frustrated at that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do have one question um, just because I do think this matchup is going to be pretty close. And, you know, this isn't necessarily a defensive question, but, you know, I'm, I'm wondering a little bit sort of what's going on with the Vikings special teams. There's been a sort of a oh turmoil <laughs> there. And so I'm wondering if, if that's an area where, like, you know, if, if the Falcons and Vikings can sort of break even in the other phases of the game, is that an area where the Falcons may be able to sort of get that little oomph that they can if this winds up being a close game and, and sort of give them the edge in the end? I will say there is not a soul in Minnesota in the whole state, who wants this game to come down to a field goal? Because there is absolutely no way we would be able to handle it like emotionally. So I don't know how up on the special team situation you've been, but it's been a huge giant mess. So Dan Bailey uh, had a bit of a rough season last year. He's still coming off an injury. There were other things going on in that Vikings team. Uh, the Vikings drafted a long snapper and they had a long snapper competition and the change up in timing, because they were switching back and forth between two guys who snap at different speeds, screwed Dan Bailey up. 
made him think he was really bad. They traded a fifth round pick to get Corey Vedvik off of the Ravens, who didn't end up making the team because he was awful. Uh, and Dan Bailey figured it out because as part of that trade, they cut one of the long snappers and then the timing issue was resolved. So then Dan Bailey got better. Uh, so a horrible, unforced error. I've been complaining about it like every day on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, but essentially the special teams has been this huge, giant, embarrassing mess. And you kind of hope that it's figured out now. They just got a brand new holder, which was also a problem. Matt Weil was the punter in 2018. He did have some struggles in holding. He had a bunch of struggles in camp holding. They tried having Adam Thielen be the holder. They tried another wide receiver, Chad Beebe, as the holder. And uh, then they got Britton Colquitt from I think he was on the Browns last and brought him in and he's a reputable holder he can do what you expect your punter to do as a holder so hopefully that it's it's all sorted out but we it, it'll be the first time we're seeing this it will be like in an actual in-game situation because the whole thing took so long to figure out and was such a huge mess uh elsewhere on special teams they've had a couple of coverage breakdowns as well part of that was because Corey Vedvik was a bad punter and outkicked the coverage all the time let up a big touchdown in the last preseason game that's kind of what got him cut uh but there's also been like lots of lane discipline issues and stuff in the preseason though a lot of the culprits of that got cut for those mistakes so it's hard to tell but I would say that if it came down to special teams I would not like that very much Okay, well, the Falcons went through their own sort of little special teams drama, clearly not to the same degree that the Vikings did, but they got their kicker, Matt Bryant, back, who they moved on from this offseason, even though he was still at the top of his game. And, you know, fortunately for the Falcons, the Vikings didn't necessarily make a, you know, maybe they reached out to Matt Bryant. He, he mentioned earlier this week that a couple of teams did reach out to him, but he was still available after the Falcons went through their own kicking woes this summer with sort of the incumbents there. And, uh, player that you guys are all very familiar with Vikings fans in Blair Walsh uh in, yeah. in as you expected Blair Walsh you know the Blair Walsh experiment did not go particularly well for the week that it it lasted Welcome to the club Atlanta. we got jackets <laughs> there you go. so the Falcons hopefully have resolved their own special teams issues with the resigning of Matt Bryant but you know I'll, I'll be curious to sort of see you know it was it was interesting given the Falcons own drama there to see another team go through Clearly, much, much bigger issues, and whether or not that carries over into Sunday's matchup will be uh, certainly an intriguing potential uh, factor. So yeah, that'll uh, be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, ho I hope it's not. I hope it's the boring part of the game, and this comes down to you know Rhodes versus Julio and offensive line versus defensive. That's where the fun parts are. I don't want to care about the field goal kickers anymore. Absolutely. So, Luke, uh, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. Are there any sort of other sort of key matchups that intrigue you that we haven't necessarily shined a light on today? Um, I think that there's definitely always a mental kind of game of chess between Harrison Smith and whoever the quarterback opposite him is, in this case, Matt Ryan. Um, now, I, I am not intimately familiar with Matt Ryan's game. I just know that, like, he is regarded as a good quarterback, but I don't know if that's more of an ability thing or if it's more of a Peyton Manning thing. I just haven't really spent much time looking into Matt Ryan's game specifically. Um, but if it's, you know, like, how does Matt Ryan do with coverages that change at the last minute or disguised coverages and diagnosing that kind of stuff versus, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, it's not like an accuracy thing or anything like that, but, like, how does he do in just that cerebral part of the game, you know, pre-snap checks and audibles and all that stuff. Is that part of his his toolbox or does he usually just focus on execution? No, that that is really one of the strengths of Matt Ryan is the, the cerebral mental parts of the game from the neck up. 
uh, he does operate at a high level. Obviously, that hasn't necessarily translated to success against the Vikings in some of these more recent matchups. I don't know if that's due to you know deficiencies on Matt Ryan's end. I think that has been due more to struggles for the Falcons to maintain balance on their offense, struggles on the offensive line, and of course, keeping his, his top weapon in Julio Jones in check and not really having a, a number two option. And so hopefully, going back to what we talked about with, with Calvin Ridley and other factors, hopefully those issues have been resolved. But certainly, you know, this Vikings defense is one of the most disciplined, one of the most consistent units in the league. And, and even though my early words suggested that maybe they're not going to be as strong as they have been in previous years, they're still going to be a very reliable defense that is well coached and will certainly give the Falcons their best shot in this week one game. And hopefully the Falcons, you know, have a little bit of a counter punch uh, dealing with that. And, and you talk about Harrison Smith. He's, you know, I have my own man crush on Keanu Neal as, as my favorite safety, but Harrison Smith has always been neck and neck as one of these safeties that I've always enjoyed watching when I pop on the film and whatnot. So it's always fun to see, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, safeties playing at a high level. And I think with a healthy Keanu Neal and Smith doing the things he's done over the recent years, you're not going to see better safety play uh, than you will see this upcoming weekend. I'm also a big fan of Anthony Harris, who I think has been a very underrated player these last couple of years and will finally get the opportunity to really sort of shine, uh, you know, over the course of this entire season. Nice. So I, I have one more question before we wrap this up. Who on the Falcons defense do I not know about that I should go learn about before this game? I think, the, you know, the player I'm, I'm very intrigued to sort of see how they perform is going to be Tyler Davison because he's going up against Garrett Bradbury. And one of the knocks on Garrett Bradbury uh, in this pre-draft process was his struggles to anchor against power. And Davison has been, you know, going... Uh, back to his days in New Orleans, and he was a free agent signing for the Falcons this offseason, is expected to play sort of that nose tackle role when the Falcons go to sort of more of their three or four looks uh, on Sunday, is a guy that's known for being a very powerful uh, um, you know, guy that can hold the point of attack and, and really potentially do some damage against this Vikings running game. So I think Tyler Davison is an intriguing matchup there alongside you know some of the other more known options on the interior, like guys like Claiborne and, and, and Grady Jarrett there. So we'll sort of have to see if he does. But I think he's a guy that if you aren't familiar with Tyler Davidson, he could be a guy that flashes on several plays on Sunday. It's interesting because Pat Elfline has the same knock. He's had power strength issues his whole career in Ohio State and in the pros. So I guess, you know, line him up at one technique and two eye and see what he can do. Absolutely. So, um, Luke, before we duck out of here, do you have like a final score prediction uh, for this uh, Sunday game? So I usually I usually hate doing score predictions because there's so much like noise in the actual final score of a game. But I would love to do the final winner because I think these these two teams are pretty even and they're like always even when the Falcons and Vikings match up, at least in the, you know, the re the most recent like Mike Zimmer era of the Vikings. So it's always really, really tough. And in these tough matchups, I usually just default to the home team. So I'll probably just go with uh, Vikings. And I'd be surprised if this game was decided by more than a score. Yeah, I mean, for, look, for me, I've 
been sort of assuming, given the Falcons' struggles against the Vikings these last couple of matchups in the Mike Zimmer era, as you mentioned, that this was, you know, a game that heavily favored the Vikings. And I don't know if it's the homer in me. I don't know if it's just the optimism of a new season starting. But as we get closer to this game, I feel a little bit more optimistic about the Falcons' chances that they can finally sort of get this Vikings, you know, purple-clad monkey off of their back and, and finally beat a Mike Zimmer-coached Vikings team. So, I, you know, if I was going to give a score prediction, I think it's probably going to be a very tightly contested game. And I think Matt Bryant, you know, coming back to the Fox will have an opportunity to sort of hit a game-winning kick uh, that could decide the factor. So I would say something like 24 to 23 with the Falcons sort of, you know, you know, barely edging out the Vikings is sort of my this score This field goal at the end. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, these, these Falcons-Vikings games, Field goals mean so much in these uh, outcomes historically. So we'll, we'll sort of see if that trend continues on Sunday. Should be but, fun. Looking forward to it. Football's yeah. back, baby. Yeah, Luke, man, I appreciate you doing this crossover. And um, um, hopefully we get an opportunity to do this maybe, you know, come January again. Yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do it. It's a date. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you and I will hang out even if the Falcons and Vikings don't join us. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. So there you have it. That was the interview with Aaron Freeman. We went way over the usual time limit. So sorry for the longer episode. Uh, but thank you guys so much for hanging out. And as always, Skull. <laughs>